Well, God bless you guys. Welcome to Swerve Church once again. I'm so glad to be here with you guys, spending this time together now to be able to open up God's Word and to continue this series that uh, we've been in. Now, listen, I remember uh, being in high school, uh, and, uh, and somehow I came across this pair of Jordans, right? And uh, I thought they were, like, the stuff, man. I thought they were great. I think someone gave them to me. I think I found them. I can't really, like, remember how I got these uh, sneakers, but, man, they were some awesome kicks. And uh, they were black with uh, some gray, like, accents, like some gray lines. I've never seen anyone with them before or since, actually. I don't know if there's some kind of limited edition, whatever, but they were legit. Like, they were great. There was only one problem with, these, with this pair of shoes, with these sneakers. One problem, and that was that they were about two sizes too small for my feet. But you know what? I wanted everyone to see them, right? I wanted, like, I wanted everybody to see me wearing them because they were so... Like, it was so cool. It was so nice. I wanted everyone to see me uh, wearing them. So whenever gym class would come about, I used to keep it in the lockers. All right, it's time to go play ball, whatever. I'll put them on. I'll cram my feet. I'll cram my toes into the shoes. They didn't fit. My feet would hurt, you know. <laughs> but can you blame me? You know, I wanted everyone to see me wearing them. You know, I, I wanted the compliments. And I actually did. I got some nice compliments. Yo, where did you get those shoes or whatever? Yeah, I know. They're nice. And then I got some compliments, and I wanted people to like them. And maybe, I don't know, maybe I kind of wanted them to like me as well. This is what we're talking about today, and this is kind of our big thought for what we're talking about is this, that becoming obsessed with what others think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. Inside your bulletins, there's some message notes Feel free to grab those, and a lot of the verses that we'll be reading today, they're found there, and you can take some notes along the way as well. We're in this series, it's called You Don't Have What It Takes, and what we're doing through this series is that we're looking at four truths, and these are four truths that God wants to use to free us, right? But our spiritual enemy, he wants to twist them and manipulate them to keep us into bondage. We mentioned last week that our spiritual enemy, he's like a roaring lion, right? He's seeking out whom to steal, kill, and destroy. And you, you might speak English, you may speak Spanish. His native tongue is lie. The Bible says he speaks lie. And he'll use these very truths to keep you from fulfilling and accomplishing and living out God's best for your life. And today we're going to be looking at this truth right here. The truth is this. You can't please everyone. You can't please everyone. And listen, I'm sure everybody that's here today, we've all felt the pressure to feel liked, right? We've all felt that pressure before. C come on, be honest. You know, I'm sure that if we went around the room, you all have your own funny story like mine about the sneakers and how I try to cram my feet and toes, my big old feet into those sneakers. I'm sure you have your own stories from your awkward days in middle school and high school, right? We've all felt at some time or another, we've all felt the pressure of wanting to be liked and wanting to be accepted. And trying to please everyone else. You know, social media has really been able to enlarge this. To enlarge this problem with this issue. You know, we'll post a picture or a quote and we'll check in right away, right? How many retweets did I get? How many likes? Did I, do I have any new followers? You know, how many retweets or shares did I get from that picture? Or you, you could be like that mom, like that mom or that wife that's scrolling through Pinterest. And she's scrolling through Instagram and she sees another mom with three kids. And, and she's taking a picture that, listen, all three kids, they have haircuts. And, they're, and it's combed. Their hair's, and they're all wearing matching t-shirts. How come my three kids, why they can't wear matching t-shirts and have their hair neatly groomed? 
or maybe she's looking at that wife. <coughs> Excuse me, she's off on an exotic vacation, so like in Hawaii or somewhere, on a beach with, a, with an umbrella drink. She's on this exotic and romantic get- getaway that her husband, you know, romantically surprised her with. And you as a mom or as, as, a, as a wife, you try to mimic those pictures and try to comb your kid's hair. Or, or, or because, you know, you look at your husband, what a loser husband, can't take me on this romantic getaway. Like he used to do stuff like that for me all the time. Right? And we tend to like get lost in, in, in social media and seeing all these things and trying to find how many people we can please. How many likes can we get? Recently, I'm sure you guys heard about this. Uh, there was a, a recent celebrity that was caught red-handed faking a picture for his Instagram, it looked a little something like this. Did you guys catch that? Little Bow Wow put up on his Instagram, yo, I'm on my way to New York, you know, catching my jet, you know, life is hard, blah, 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 or whatever, something like that. And he posted a picture of this car next to this jet. Well, the next picture on the side is actually somebody who saw the post and took a picture of him on his commercial flight, sitting on a regular seat or whatever, and he said, you know, oh, so this guy, Little Bow Wow, is on my flight to New York, but on Instagram posted a picture of a private jet captioned traveling to New York today, uh, shaking my head, right? Like, this guy's putting up, and he was caught red-handed. The internet took the storm and just started making fun about, everybody's putting up their own Bow Wow pics, you know, making fun. And what it really showed, really, is that we can easily all fall into this trap, right? Trying to paint a picture, why? So, they can, so I can be liked, so I can have some more followers, so that I can try to please everyone. Because beyond that, what lies underneath is all, all of it is a desire to please everyone. And our spiritual enemy will use this truth. And he'll tell you, you can't please everyone, so what do you do? So well, I can't please everyone, so you know what? Maybe I can try to pick this group of people, and I can try to please them. Well, I can't please everyone, but you know what? Maybe I can please my group of friends. Or maybe I can, I can please my family. Or I can't please everyone, but I can please this class of people because, you know, I want to be associated with a higher class, you know, of people. And so maybe I can please them. So pretend, we all, we can pretend to live a more lavish lifestyle because we really want to impress those certain people. The problem is, guys, is that we were never designed to please everyone. You, you can't. You can't please everyone. God did not create you in, such, in, in that way, in such a way. In fact... What God wants for you is so much more. He wants you to acknowledge that you can't please everyone. In fact, here's our big idea if you're taking notes. I can't please everyone, but guess what? But I can please God. I can't please everyone, but I can please God. The most important thing for us is not to see how many people we can impress, how, how much can people like me. You know, rather we need to come to the conclusion that we can't please everyone, but you know what? We can please God. In fact, it's the most important thing that we can do. And what we want to do is not follow the patterns of this world, right? Because we don't want to fall in line with the rest of culture attempting to please as many people as possible. Right? We don't want to be posting up little bow-wow pics, right? Following the rest of, of, of culture. Instead, we want to live for the audience of one. Paul was a church planter uh, who had a radical experience and an encounter with Jesus I mentioned him last week, real quick, just to recap. He wasn't always a follower of Jesus. In fact, he was quite the opposite. He was a zealous Pharisee, a religious leader, who would actually persecute Christians. Okay? They would murder Christians, and they would torture Christians right in front of him. Last week, we spoke about his resume of righteousness. But the same guy, he had an amazing encounter with Jesus. His life 
is forever flipped upside down when he encounters Jesus. And he goes from being a persecutor of Christians to a planter of churches, making disciples, planting churches all over the Middle East and, and in Asia uh, Minor and Europe. Right? And so he becomes this church planter and, he, and, and following God's call. And so we're going to look at a passage in one of his uh, letters. In fact, the passage is there in your notes. It's in the book of Galatians. And in this letter, he's addressing the fact that some of the Christians there have been preaching a different gospel. In this, in this, telling, in this alternate telling of the gospel, they're asking non-Jews, a.k.a. Gentiles, a.k.a. all of us here, to follow and keep the Old Testament laws. And if they're not keeping those laws, then they're actually not Christians. All right? So they're preaching this alternate gospel. In fact, you know, what, they're, what they're telling, especially the guys, is that they have to get circumcised. Which, if you're a guy, is bad news, right? If you're a Gentile that's converts to Christianity, it's like, ouch, I have to do that? All right, so Paul jumps into the picture to clear up the mess, uh, but in the process, he risks his reputation. So let's pick it up in uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 7, and then we're going to jump to verse 10. It says this, I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Let's jump down to verse 10 and it says, For am I now trying to persuade people or God? Or am I, still, am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So look what Paul is saying. Is he, am I striving to please people? Am I trying to be a people pleaser? Because if I was trying to please people, then I would not be a servant of Christ. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying that he's not going to bend. He's not going to mold the gospel message to the message of people's personal preferences. Right? What they want. What they want to preach and what they want to teach. The gospel is the message of the gift of grace through Jesus Christ. And he's not going to change the message of the gospel in order to please people. That's what he's saying. And he says this boldly. He says this emphatically. In fact, his reputation is on the line. As this was happening, in fact, Peter fell into the trap, right? He wanted to make sure, man, these other Jews, they believe this. And I'm, kind of, I'm not going to eat with them. I'm not going to be with them. He started people pleasing. And Paul said, listen, I'm not going to change the message of the gospel. I'm not going to change this truth. To please people. And here's the question I want to ask you today. Are you a people pleaser? Just self-reflect on that and ask that question to yourself. And here's what we're going to do to help you figure that out. We're going to take a quiz. I know you guys love taking tests, right? And so in your, in your notes, there's a couple questions that I want you guys to ask yourselves. And let's call this a people pleaser pop quiz, right? And here's the questions. Here's the first question. Do you take criticism personally? Do you take criticism personally? If somebody gives you feedback or somebody criticizes you, do you take that criticism personally? Then maybe you're a people pleaser. Here's the second question. Do you have an extraordinary fear of rejection? Are you fearful of rejection? I told you guys a couple weeks ago, when people tell me the worst they can say is no, I say yes, that's the worst they can say. I don't want to feel the rejection. Right? How about you? Do you have an extraordinary fear of, fear of rejection? Number three. Do you have a hard time expressing your feelings? You know, you're afraid that you're going to hurt somebody's feelings or whatever because so you don't really want to express yourself. And here's the last one. This is one that I struggle with all the time. Do you have a hard time saying no? 
do you have a hard time saying no? Are you always saying yes because you want people to like you? Hey, can you go here? Can you do this? Can you come with me? Yes, yes, yes. I don't have time in the schedule, but I'm going to keep saying yes and overcompromise. Did you say ouch to some of those questions? I did while I was writing this down. And here's two things that we need to understand about people pleasing, okay? First thing is that people pleasing is a form of idolatry. People pleasing is a form of idolatry. Here's how. Whenever anything comes before or takes the place of God, guess what? It becomes idolatry. All right? So both in the Old and the New Testament is taught that we should love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Jesus says in the New Testament to seek first the kingdom of God. So whenever we allow people's opinions to take the place of what God thinks about us, then it becomes a form of idolatry. And we see this play out in the Gospel of John in the New Testament. John was one of the disciples, right? He was one of Jesus' closest friends. And he wrote the book of John, which is the uh, historical database of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And he writes this in, in chapter 12 in the book of John. I want you guys to check out what he says. And in this, he's talking about like this is a fulfillment of what Isaiah wrote in the Old Testament. Look what he says. Nevertheless, many did believe in him, talking about Jesus, even among the rulers. But because of the Pharisees, they did not what? They did not confess him. So that they would not be banned from the synagogue. Verse 43, for they loved human praise more than the praise from God. Do you guys underline verse 43? That they loved human praise more than the praise from God. So here's what's going on. People are seeing Jesus do miracles. He's doing these miracles and they're putting their faith in it. They're like, wow, there's something to this guy. Like I believe this guy must be something to this guy. He's not a normal average guy. They've seen the miracles that he's performing and they actually believe in him. But because of the Pharisees, the, these people, they, they're afraid because of fear of man. They're afraid to confess him publicly. They're more concerned with what the Pharisees thought of them than, than they did what God thought of them. Do you guys see that? They were more concerned with what other people thought. In fact, they were saying, man, I don't want to go to the synagogue. I don't want to be banned from the synagogue. Right? I, I don't want these Pharisees to reject me. Whatever. So I, I'm not going to confess I secretly. I have this secret. I believe Jesus is the guy, but I'm not going to confess it because I'm afraid of what everybody else will say. Listen, you may be here today and you may be struggling to go public with your faith as well because you're afraid of what others might say. Acknowledge that that's a form of idolatry. It's a form of idolatry. Care more about what God thinks about you than what anybody else would say. In fact, look at what Proverbs chapter 29 verse 25 says. In the book of Proverbs, all it is is kind of like a, it's a bunch of sayings, of wisdom sayings, wise sayings from the king, most of them written from the king Solomon. And we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25. It says this, The fear of mankind is a what? What is it? A snare. But the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. The fear of mankind is a snare. Would you guys please circle right there in your notes, circle the word snare. That word snare. Here, here's what it is. It's the Hebrew word mokesh. And, uh, and some of your translations might translate it, not, not a snare, might translate it a trap, Right? A snare, a trap. The literal translation of this word snare is a noose, which is kind of what you would use to catch an animal. Have you guys ever seen Animal Planet or any of these shows where they catch a wild animal or they put like, they try to catch an alligator or something. They have this noose 
they wrap it around the snout, they attach it, and it kind of, that's the literal translation of what that is. Or a hook in for the nose. A hook for the nose. So that's literally, it's a noose, a hook for the nose, and some translate it a snare or a trap. And look, listen to what, the, what the, the author is saying here. He's saying that the fear of man is what? It's a snare, it's a trap, it's a noose, it's a hook in the nose. If you have this fear of man, then it's quite literally a trap that's keeping you from accomplishing or fulfilling or living out God's best for your life. This is exactly what people-pleasing is. It's a snare. It's a trap. A hook in the nose that will lead you to one of three things. Number one, it will lead you to compromise. Right? Even if it's something that you're deeply convicted about, it's something that you really believe, then that hook in the nose, that snare, will lead you to compromise. It can also uh, have you overcommit. If you're afraid to say no, and you're always saying yes to people, then you might find your agenda filled up by everybody else's requests of you. And lastly, it will limit your success. Because you're so concerned about everybody else that your own success takes the back burner. And here's the second thing in your notes. When we talk about, we know the problem. The problem is people-pleasing. People we understand that it's a form of idolatry. What's the solution? And here's number two. The solution is this. The fear of God is the antidote. The fear of God is the antidote. And we're going to read from Psalms chapter 34, verse 9. And look what it says. Psalm 34, 9 says this. I would love it if we can read it together. Would you guys mind reading this verse with me? It's there in your notes and on the screen. Let's read it nice and loud. Ready, go. You who are His holy ones, fear the Lord. For those who fear Him lack nothing. Would you guys please underline the words, fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Here's the antidote. The antidote to people pleasing is fearing the fear of the Lord, right? It's, it's the antidote for the fear of what other people think about you is to replace it with the fear of the Lord. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. It means that you care more about what God thinks about you than what others think about you. You care more about what God thinks about you than what others think about you. It's having a respect and a reverence towards God's thoughts of you. Only then can you truly lack nothing, like the verse says. If you, you worry more, you care more for what God thinks about you than what others think about you. Now listen, how different would your life be if you didn't follow the patterns of this world, the way everybody else lived their life? For everyone else, it's perfectly normal to go about their lives trying to gain the approval of everybody else, even at the cost of their own self and their own satisfaction. That's what the rest of the world does. How different would life be for us if we weren't trying to live like what Bow Wow was trying to do and, and trying to trick everybody into living some other life, even at our own expense? But for us, we're going to be concerned with what God thinks about us. Why? Because becoming obsessed with what others think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. By the way, what does God think about you? What does He think about you? I'm going to tell you in just a second, but first, as I was preparing this message, I had to think about a whole other category that came to my mind. Because, you know, perhaps you're sitting there and you're rolling your eyes and you're like, man, Danny, I'm so glad that you brought this message on people-pleasing for all those people-pleasers, you know, because there's so many. You know, I don't have that problem. But, but, you know, thank you for bringing that message for everybody else who does, you know, for all those poor saps and, and all those people-pleasers. He said, I don't have that problem because I, I can just tell anybody anything just the way I, I want to. Then maybe you need to look at this from another angle. Maybe you need to repent of your pride. 
Because the point of this message is not to say, well, I'm not a people pleaser. I'm a God pleaser. And I have the license to tell people whatever I want. I'll give them a piece of my mind. Then I'd like to ask you this question. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Do you know the fruits of the Spirit? Fruits of the Spirit means evidences that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. And here's what they are. Right? The, the fruits of the Spirit are this. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Gentleness. Faithfulness. And self-control. And so if you're the opposite of a people pleaser, and you, and you I don't care what people think, I'm going to tell them whatever I want. Then you have to think about this. Are your responses evidence or showing the evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? In other words, when you say something, is it seasoned with love? Is it seasoned with patience? Is it kind, what you're saying? Is it gentle? Is it faithful to God's Word? Are you being self-controlled? You have to ask yourself that question. If it's the opposite of people-pleasing, are your responses and are your dealings with people exemplary of these qualities? Now, I want to tell you something that God did. Whether you're a people-pleaser or you're the opposite and you deal with pride and arrogance and don't care what anybody else says. Do you know what God did for you? Do you, do you want to know what God thinks about you? This is what he did. No matter where the, what side of the spectrum you're on, I want to show you guys this. It's in the same letter that we started out with, Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to look at verses 4 to 7. You should have it right there in your notes. Here's what it says. When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Would you guys just please underline that phrase? I love that phrase so much. Adoptions as sons. Verse 6. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Verse 7. So you are no longer a slave, but a what? A son. And if a son, then God has made you and heir. You guys just underline that he's adopted you. That you have been adopted. You have been adopted into the family of God. Here's the good news guys. No matter where you are. No matter what, what sin you struggle with. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus into this world. To die for your, your arrogance or your people pleasing. Or whatever sin that you struggle with. God in his great love sent Jesus to live a perfect life. To live the life that we could not live. And to die the death that we deserve. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And Jesus said, I'll pick up the bill. I'll pay his price. I'll pay her price. And in our sin, guys, we were separated from God because of our sin. I like to paint the picture of a chasm, a huge chasm, a huge hole that separated us from God. And God, in his great love for us, sent Jesus to fill the gap. And Jesus, out of his great love for us, came and he died for our sin, for my sin. He died on the cross. He bled and hung on the cross and died. And he resurrected three days later, conquering Satan's sin and death, giving us new life, giving us the forgiveness of our sin, so that if we believe in our heart, Jesus Christ is Lord, and confess with our mouth that God raised him from the dead, then we can too understand, we can too can say that we've been saved. 
And because of that, verse 7, you're no longer a slave. You're a child of the living God. You've been adopted into the family of God. You are loved by God. You are forgiven through the Son. And you've been adopted into the family of God. And guys, that is good news. Now, in, in your connection cards, you guys please take that out for a second. And uh, there's some next steps for us. And here's I really want us to take these next steps. By the way, guys, whenever you check off these next steps, I want you to know that, that me and Burials, we take our time to pray for you during the week. Because we take this very serious. Every week, we want you guys to leave out of here with a practical next step. And so when you take this step, know that we're praying for you. We're, we're supporting for you. And as I take that, I'm praying for myself, you know, as we take these next steps as well. And it's so important for us, no matter where you fall in line, here's the next step. Ask Jesus to set you free to live for the audience of one. Ask Jesus to set you free to live for the audience of one. I know, guys, that this is like a, somewhat of a heavy topic, I think, because we all, at some point or another, we all struggle with this in our lives. Just know man, that Jesus wants to set you free. Becoming obsessed with what others think about you is the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you. You guys know what God thinks about you? He's crazy in love with you. He loves you. You are loved by God. You are forgiven through the Son. You are adopted into the family of God. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, thank you. Uh, Lord, obviously, Lord, this is an area, if I'm honest, that I struggle with much in my own life. Uh, Father, being obsessed with what other people think of of me. So God, in my own life, I pray to you, God, through the power of your spirit, that you would help me, Lord, to be more concerned about what you think about me, Lord, than what others would say. God, I pray this for all of us, that I pray that as we take this next step, that you would help us all, Lord, to live for the audience of one, to be really concerned, God, with what you think about us over what anybody else would say. This I pray in Jesus' name.